It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I am so looking forward to this. I'll be introducing my guest in a moment. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. I do want to take a minute or two to just share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. A few weeks ago, my best friend and I did our list of our 100 greatest successes so far in life, and we each read our list to each other on the phone when we finished writing them down. It was one of the most positive, productive conversations that I've had in a very long time, and he and I have had many of those. Then we did a Facebook Live for his Facebook group a few days ago, and we each shared our list in the Facebook Live, and it was really a lot of fun. When you acknowledge the things that you've accomplished and when you remember the source of strength that it came from, it's such an incredible feeling. So my challenge is to have you write down your list of 100 successes. Even better, have an accountability partner to do this with you so that you can share your list with each other. There are several benefits to doing this. You get to recall the great things you have done in life. You get to be a witness for these things to someone else. And you get to know your accountability partner even better because I promise you, you will learn something new about that person. And if it helps, break down your life into different time frames, uh, childhood, adolescence, 20s, 30s, 40s, wherever you are. Divide your life into three or four different parts and just think about the things that you've succeeded in in those specific areas of life. And I promise this will be a really amazing exercise for you. Do it this week. You'll be so very glad you did. And with that in mind, I would like to introduce my guest. His name is Corey Poirier, and he is here for the second time. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Corey is a multiple-time TEDx speaker and sought-after keynote speaker. He's spoken on Mo Mondays and PMX stages. He shared the bill with everyone from John Maxwell to Deepak Chopra and Stephen Covey and has presented to hundreds of thousands of attendees since he began his speaking journey. He's the host of the top-rated Conversations with Passions radio show, for the love of speaking show and is the founder of the speaking program. He's been featured in multiple television specials and he's been featured on CBS, CTV, NBC, ABC, and is one of the few leaders featured twice on the popular entrepreneur on fire show. He's a columnist with a columnist with entrepreneur and Forbes, and he's also interviewed over 4,000 of the world's top leaders. So that is all absolutely incredible. And finally, he is the author of the new book, the book of why and how we will talk about all of this and so much more on the show. Corey Poirier, how are you today? I am doing fantastic, Brian. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Welcome back. It's been a little while. It's been a couple of years since you were on last, and so welcome back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it seems like uh, forever, even though it's probably not. It seems like a long, long time. I know. Absolutely. So here's where I would like to start. I usually like to ask people a little bit about their background, uh, maybe some things that you've overcome, some of your experiences that informed who you are now, and how you got to where we are. We'll spend the whole first segment on this. Perfect. I'm uh, I'm all in. So do you want me to jump into where uh, th- that part right now? Absolutely. Awesome. So in terms of, I guess, my backstory or my, my background, I 
was born in a, a tiny little community, meat and potatoes type community. Uh, one of those places where, as they say, you know, your your uh, your word is is your oath type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was raised by a single mother for the most part. My grandfather had a big part in raising me as well. Uh, and my mother and I are only children, both of us. So really tiny family. And I mentioned those things because I think they played a really big part in the who I am today. My mother was really a guiding light for me and led by example. And so, uh, you know, I grew up in that small town and stayed there until I was about 19. And around that age, I launched a business publication, ran it for close to a year. And then that was when I ultimately decided it was time to move across the country and, and seek a different career path. I, you know, I was only young and I had this small business and I was really worried that I was going to get typecast as this little local small town newspaper publisher. And so I took a position within a corporate entity, Toshiba, one of the largest companies in the world at the time. And uh, I was in their office equipment division in really competitive sales roles. So, you know, the small town stuff uh, really didn't prepare me for moving to a, a larger center and happened to go out and make cold calls door to door, approach people about the one thing they had no desire to talk about whatsoever, which was that yellow photocopier sitting in their lobby. Um, so, you know, Brian, I don't know how deep you want me to go, but that's, you know, that's sort of uh, where I guess my backstory lied until I started getting into the corporate world and then shifted over to entrepreneurship. Okay. You're, you're cutting out here and there. So I just want to make sure that everyone can hear you. I do want to ask you about your local publication. What, what kind of a, was it a, it was a newspaper you said, right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Okay. What, what, what exactly was it that you were doing? Was it the whole, the, the local stories and the news and selling the ads the whole bit? Yeah, it was, I was selling the ads, but it wasn't local stories per se. What I was doing is I was interviewing local entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. sharing their leadership tips, their skills, their stories, their strategies for how they ran their business and were successful. So if, if you a person wants a visual, it would be like Success Magazine, but uh, uh, let's say a newspaper version of that in a regional capacity. Okay. Okay. What are some of the things that you learned from the people that you interviewed for that publication? You know, that it's, it's interesting because that's so, you know, in terms long ago, in terms of it seems like. 15 lifetimes ago, but I would say some of the big things I learned back then was about the importance, for example, of trusting your gut. Mm. You know, this was a lot of small town business at the time. And, and so a lot of them survived by trusting their gut, by keeping their word. You know, that's a really big one, especially you think it's like a small town store or small town supplier. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to ask, how did you get known as that speaker guy? So, you know what, that it, it actually started by people coming up and saying, hey, wait a minute, I know you, you're, you're that speaker guy, right? And I got that so often that eventually I said, well, I guess I am. I might as well become that speaker guy because everybody is saying to me, you're that speaker guy, right? So it was like, they didn't remember my name. They didn't remember what I spoke on. They remembered that I was, that's what I did. I was that speaker guy. And so when you hear people say something enough, you kind of say, well, maybe I should jump onto this. And And so really it was more my own clients telling me that clients and I guess uh, people that had heard of me or seen me in a, in a, maybe an article or what have you, that's how they remembered me. So I said, why not help them remember that? Absolutely. Branding is so important. How do you think that has helped you in your career? Uh, you know, it's helped me and it's hurt me. So if I go reverse, it's hurt me because 
I speak on very specific topics, but yet when you hear that speaker guy, sometimes the fear is that people think, okay, well, he's a generalist. He just speaks on anything or he's just quote unquote, a motivational speaker. So why do you think the top leaders are lifelong learners? I know that's a huge theme that I get on my show as well. I, I think it's, well, first of all, I think it's been since the beginning of time. You know, if you look at years gone by, the 1800s, the Ralph Waldo Emerson's and Henry David Thoreau's had personal libraries, the Henry Ford's, Thomas Edison's had personal libraries, even if they didn't finish grade three. And so, first of all, I think it's a common thing that's been around sort of forever. Uh, but why I think it is, is because at the end of the day, in terms of us being successful, we're only as wise as the as the knowledge and wisdom we have access to and or we find. And so I think it's because they've recognized to stay on the cutting edge of whatever they're doing, they have to keep getting that new wisdom and find a way to get past the information that most people get stuck and bogged down in. Absolutely. Is there a favorite way that you like to learn? Do you prefer to read? Do you prefer to listen? What's your favorite? You know, I, I've more recently, I've been really getting into watching. So like TED Talks, YouTube videos of speakers. But I would say, yeah, I say if I went in order, I love reading. I've always been, uh, and I say always, I started reading at 27. But ever since that point, I've always been an avid reader. So reading is up there. Uh, then I would say second is probably video now. It's kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, and then I would say podcast or radio. But those two are always neck and neck. So reading first, and podcast and video are, are neck and neck at all times. Yeah, who's your favorite to to listen to or to follow? So I'm a big fan of the late Zig Ziglar. Yes, and I've uh, you know, and he's one of those people you can go back to his stuff over and over again, so you really never run out. Uh, I also like um, Napoleon Hill's work. Uh, who else do I like? I like Napoleon Hill. I like um, Dale Carnegie. That was mm -hmm. the first book I ever read in my life. Was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, so he obviously had a big impact on my life. Uh, Darren Hardy, I really like his uh, compound effect yeah. and uh, the roller coaster book he put out as well. Yep. So he's more he's the more modern one. But the other three are the ones. And then, of course, I'm a fan of Tony Robbins as well. So I guess we would say, Brian, the usual suspects. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, I got to interview Darren Hardy on my show a couple of years ago. That was such a great experience when he was promoting the roller coaster entrepreneur book. He was fantastic and, and very engaging and, and very wise. He's, you know, talked to a lot of people himself and, of course, as the publisher of Success Magazine, he's he's been around a lot of really amazing people for sure. So let me just ask you this. We are coming up against our break here uh, very, very shortly. How did you did you ever fear speaking in front of groups? Yeah, I, I was absolutely terrified of the idea of speaking and I mean, I, so much so that my first talk I ever did, I don't remember a word of what I said. I turned multiple shades of color. I asked people there, what did I say? And they're like, I don't even really know what you're talking about, but you're some passionate about it. Uh, so uh -huh. I, was, yeah, I was terrified. And then the next time I got up in public was on a stand-up comedy stage, and I bombed horribly. Didn't have the mic turned on. So it, it oh. didn't get easier. And that was spread over about five years before I finally took the stage for a third time. Wow, that's incredible. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest this week is Corey Poirier, and we will talk about his book, The Book of Why and How. When we come back from our break, please stay with us. Don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we look forward to having you here with us for the whole hour. Please stay with us. Don't go away.
is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Are you stressed out? Because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money-back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Corey Poirier. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, please go ahead and do that. Leave a review. That would be very, very meaningful. Uh, you can also subscribe to Success Profiles Magazine by going to successprofilesmagazine.com. And my new book, Success Profiles Conversations with High Achievers, comes out uh, April 3rd, 2018. And uh, that's just a few weeks away. You can pre-order that on Amazon. I would love it if you would do that as well. So, Corey, let's talk about your book, The Book of Why and How. What is it about? Uh, so it, it's really about, I'll say, I don't want to say just that, meaning it's about why, but that's where it all starts in terms of why I put it together and, and you know, what they're, I'm going to say the focus is when you first jump into the book, it's actually about this idea of how do you find your why? So when I'm, ter- you know, when I'm using the term on the book cover, why, I'm talking about your calling or your purpose or your passion or whatever word you want to put on that. Uh, but basically, what is the why? why? Why are you actually here? What are you being called to do? And so the book is actually designed to help people find that. So there's exercises. It, it takes people through the process I used, not necessarily to find my why. I happy accented, accidented into my why. But it takes you through the process that if I reverse engineer it, I could see that I could have done if I would have watched for the hints. And then it talks about the other three whys that sort of impact our life i.e. the you know the why not why not now and why not you so those are the ones that tie into it like why can't it be you to do it why is now not the right time and why not take the chance and do it in the first place yeah did you interview a lot of people to put this together yeah so it's 
I'll, I'll, well, I'll put it this way, Brian. It wasn't that I did, interviewed a lot of people to put the book together, but the book is the result of thousands of interviews. So yes. it's kind of in reverse order. I put the book together long after I'd done some of the interviews that I shared the details on within the book. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. There's a theme in your book about creating significance. Tell us about that. Well, for me, having so here's I guess where that came from is I've asked this question probably like yourself. How do you define success? to thousands of people. Right. And what's interesting is the answer you get isn't what I'm gonna say most people think you would get. So most people think you're gonna hear, it's about having this new car, you know, having three houses, being overlooking the, the water, whatever that might be. But when you ask people who've achieved the society definition of success, most of them realize it didn't fill the hole. It didn't get them the happiness they were looking for. And they had to find it in other ways. So once I realized that, what I realized is the people that had found it were the people that didn't find it where they thought they would at first and then ultimately found what they were looking for. It always came back to significance. And significance to me is success, but it's also coupled with having a, a legacy or an impact as well. So it's kind of, it's that success, and I don't mean success again in terms of material wealth, but just overall success, whether that's a healthy family, happy family, whatever that might be to you, your definition of success, plus creating an impact, to me, that's what significance is. Yeah. And significance for you might be different than significance might be for me. Absolutely. Love that. So how can we bust through our excuses of thinking we can't do something? So it's always a mindset. And so what I've discovered is that most people essentially put other obstacles in their way they don't have to. So uh, for instance, in the book, in one of the other sections, I talk about mindset and and some of the things you can do to actually actively change your mindset, because the worst thing to hear, and we hear it all the time from, let's say, and again, I'm a speaker, so I'm saying this, I'm not knocking the idea of motivational speaking. I do it myself. But mm -hmm. the idea of motivational speaking when somebody says, oh, uh, you could just change your mindset and everything will work out. Yeah, but how? You know, it's, it's not as if you could do that that easily, everybody would just change their mindset today. So. For me, in the book, what I talk about is how do you change your mindset? And I, I believe it starts with actually working the muscle. So um, there's exercises you can do. One, you can start surrounding yourself with the right people. So I take people through an exercise of figuring out who they're surrounding themselves with. Is the person adding you know, toxic energy or, or positive energy? And how can they make the adjustment if they have to? And then I talk about the difference between let's let's say reading the front of the newspaper every day and and listening to the first of the news and it all being negative uh versus how can you balance that out with some positive energy and so i talk about basically strategy for how do you bring more positive into your life because my belief brian is once you start getting a taste of that then you start the self-talk start starts improving and once you start doing things like gratitude exercises once you start doing these things your mindset starts slowly changing and then it becomes a heck of a lot easier to make those changes and then get out of your own way and stop telling yourself you can't do this or that. Absolutely. And I believe that my life turned in a much more positive direction when I started focusing on gratitude a lot more. And so that's really absolutely critical. It is a mindset thing. And having your strong purpose and your strong reason why is so critical. And again, that's different for me than it is for you. Yeah. And I'll add in too, whenever I, you know, so how it changed for me I mentioned that I didn't find my quote unquote why or passion or purpose by using my own system. I actually found it in a happy accident type way. And it was what I alluded to before the break about stand up comedy. I actually started performing stand up comedy. There's a whole backstory to that. 
I, I probably even shared it during our last interview, so I won't go into that fully. But basically, I, I was it was an accident that I performed on, on a stand-up stage. It wasn't intentional. The night we got invited, I didn't even know I was supposed to be performing. I took a chance and went and performed. And to make a, a long story super short, I discovered speaking and made the transition over into speaking. And that was my passion. That was my calling. But what's really cool about that is I had a negative mindset up until that point. And in fact, I, I was battling anxiety and hypochondria. And if anybody knows what either of those are, I mean, most people know anxiety, but hypochondria, whenever you sort of hear about a disease and hear the symptoms, you start developing them. What I've learned is you can't do that. You can't develop those if you have a super positive mindset. It can't exist in the same body. And so what's really cool is once I started discovering my passion, slowly but surely, my anxiety lowered. The hypochondria started dis disappearing. So yeah. when you mentioned about finding your purpose, that's certainly a big part of it as well. Absolutely. And I love that you've done stand-up comedy. And I, I love that you did that first before you were speaking, because sometimes people do it the other way around, or at least in an effort to incorporate humor into what they're doing, they learn to try and do stand-up. So let me ask you about the relationship between stand-up comedy and motivational speaking. Is there one? Are there parallels? So there, there's definitely, I'll say a connection in the sense that both serve each other well. And if you can learn the trade of stand-up comedy, if you can get into a comedy club and you can uh, deliver in a comedy environment, you can easily bring that over into motivational speaking. The flip side is not necessarily the same and true, meaning it's not as easy to be a motivational speaker and then jump on a stand-up stage and make it work. And I say that most speakers that, uh, that are sort of in my network or in my circle uh, they have told me, I don't know how you ever did stand up. Like m even motivational speakers who are on the stage all the time. There's a lot of them that would never try stand up because it's you're, it's just you and a mic, which is the same as speaking, but it's also often uh, an audience who also gets to hold liquor in their hands <laughs> and mm -hmm. say whatever they want. And so what I found is that the skills and traits you'll learn in stand up definitely carry over into speaking. The reverse isn't necessarily as true. I mean, yeah, of course. Communication works, and there's certain things that carry over, but it's definitely easier to make the transition from, from comedy to speaking than the other way around. Yeah. People who attend a comedy show expect to be entertained. People who attend a motivational speech expect to learn something. Not the same thing at all. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's a difference, too. It's almost like the difference between you're hoping to learn something from a speaker, but if you don't, you kind of go, okay, well, I've had amazing speakers that I've learned stuff. There's times I haven't. And you kind of maybe go, maybe I just didn't resonate with them. But when you go to a comedy club, you're like, I hate to say it this way, but this is what we used to joke in the back behind the scenes that they're out there going, make me laugh, monkey boy. I paid for my ticket, make me laugh. Right. And so it's, it's a totally different mindset. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, Corey, because I talk to people who want to write books. I ghostwrite books for people. And so let me ask you, how does having a book fit into your overall business plan? Well, there's there's a couple of ways. So having a book, of course, there's there's a, I, I'm going to say there's both sides to it. There's it depends what your goal is. But if your goal, for instance, is credibility, there's that side, which is, you know, once you can add best selling author beside your name, it opens a lot of doors that you could maybe never get into without that title. So that's one side of it. Uh, and that could be media appearances, visibility. It could be speaking engagements or opportunities. It could just get you into meetings. That's one side. Uh, the, the other side is, and I'll say too, it's a, it's a pretty nice business card to carry around with you. But then the other side is if you're wanting to actually make a profit and sell books, 
that does exist. It's, it's not what it used to be necessarily. And at the same time, there's also the variable of are you with a publisher or self-published? I mean, there's a whole, as you know, Brian, there's a whole world there to explore. Yeah. But uh, for me, how it fit in is that I like the idea of being able to leverage it for my speaking career and leverage it to open doors. At the same time, though, more important, it was important to me to be able to impact people's lives and reach people that I couldn't reach with a message in a way that I perhaps couldn't reach them any other way and actually change or impact their life. And it also gets them to know me and my philosophies in a way I could never portray to them from a stage. Absolutely. Uh, we've got probably maybe three minutes to our next break. Let's talk a little bit about how to do a book launch. I mean, I know that's a, two minutes. We, I know that's a huge topic for just two minutes. We can carry this over a little bit. But you leverage other people's audiences when you uh, launch a book. That's really brilliant. Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of, and like you said, there's a whole area that we could go to there. Maybe after the break, we could talk about my Kickstarter campaign if you want. And that, sure. that really tied into my bigger launch. But um, yeah, what, what I did is, and this wasn't like I wanted, I want to bring people into the book for the sake of uh, leveraging their audience. But I thought, why not have a book where I can actually get other people out in front of the readers as, in addition to me? If you look at all my work, like the show, everything, it's always been about highlighting other people while highlighting myself. So almost like what Napoleon Hill did, you know, helping get other people's stories out there. So what I did, which is probably what you're referring to, is I certainly had a lot of people's quotes and the exclusive insight included in the book. And then, of course, that also means at the end of the day during the launch, they have a vested interest in also wanting to get the news out there about the book. And so it became a, a true win-win. But I think you may have been included in one of my earlier digital books. And yep. you probably remember, Brian, that it's not like I, I did that and said, okay, uh, to come into this, Brian, you have to share it with this many people. I didn't approach it that way. I said, hey, nope. we're putting the book out. And then down the road when it's out, if you want to share it, great. Uh, if you don't, that's cool too. And then now when we have the full bigger book out, then I started reaching out to people again and just said, hey, it's a win-win. We all share it. Um, but obviously I'm not saying you have to. There's no obligation. And so I did it in a way that I included all these people uh, and it became a win-win for all of us as a community to grow the book together. Fantastic. And we're coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Corey Poirier. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. And we will continue this discussion about book launch. And we'll talk about how Corey uses Facebook Live to launch a book. And we'll talk about a bunch of other topics as well. Please stay with us. Don't go away. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. 
escape artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Corey Poirier. He is the author of The Book of Why and How. And we're talking uh, just for a little bit about book launches. And we started talking about this before the break. And I want to explore Facebook Live because this is something that people are using more and more all the time. And Corey, you used this as one of your book book launch strategies. Tell us about that. Sure. And so, Brian, it's interesting. I'm actually planning right now. This is just kind of a, a forward thinking as well as part of the book. I didn't want the book launch to be like a one off because that's what I've seen all the time. People would work their butt off to get uh, on launch day, that one day, bestseller status, and then go, all right, that's it. I'm done. And yeah. for me, I wanted the book to have legs. I wanted it to be something that we talked about significance. I wanted it to be out there for a lot longer than a week or two. And so we're about three weeks now since the official launch. It's still on the charts. And I think it's because I basically, I layered it. I didn't just go, okay, I'm going to do one launch on one day and get everybody to do everything on that day. Um, so Facebook Live was a part of my strategy, but I will tell you that, and I haven't even figured out the date yet, but I'm, I want to wait and give everybody a chance to kind of, you know, after pushing it and all that stuff, get a break. But I am planning to do another sort of almost launch day, if you will, maybe mid-April or at some point in April. And just to kind of put it back out there again, just to boost it back up. And when I do that, I will do Facebook Live. So this ties back to the question because I had a lot of success on launch day with Facebook. And so what I did to make it perhaps a little different, I, I don't even know what it was, but, and I'll tell you where it came from. I believe you had Jack Canfield on the show. Jack Canfield, yes. Okay. So Jack, uh, we had, when we had him on the show a long time ago, I interviewed him and asked him this question about, um, what would you do differently if you were launching Chicken Soup for the Soul today when it's not just print, you know, when you have to launch with Kindle and all this other stuff? And he gave me this launch plan that I, I, I swear a, a think tank would have to come up with. It would take two months, and he, he put it out there in five minutes. It was just kind of blew my mind. And one of the things I remember that he said was he said he would do like a CNN-type launch where he'd have different guests that were friends of his that had their own networks on, and he would, you know, get them on and interview them about topics related to the book. And then always had the stream going on saying you can grab the book at this website. So what I did with my Facebook Live is I sort of took a bit of what he had mentioned and took a, a, an approach related to that. And I scheduled a bunch of interviews and I had people all set up to do interview after interview. So back to back interviews with people that were mostly in the book, their quote, as we talked about earlier. And I basically interviewed them around the idea of their quote or their theme or what they speak on. And so it was just back to back interviews all day with high achievers from different walks of life who have their own groups that they bring to the mix and the table. And a lot of them shared it, which again, I didn't make it an obligation, but that's what I did. I just ran interview after interview all day on launch day. And and I was telling you uh, that I basically, the, the I think the book got to about number three just from doing that in that first day. And I will tell you, we had a hiccup happen, which was that the printed book didn't get online on Amazon on the day it was supposed to, which was launch day. 
on February 20th, and so only the Kindle was available. So we lost about a week before the print book was up. So it like so I didn't push the launch day as hard as I planned because all these people were saying, "Where's the print?" So I didn't want to push it only for them to not ever buy the print because I was pushing to a place where they couldn't get it. And so I pulled back a bit. But even with just the Facebook Lives, my email newsletter, and a couple other small things, we got up the charts. And like I said, it's still on the charts right now. Absolutely. That's great. You've also used crowdfunding campaigns as well. Yeah, I used Kickstarters, the, the one I chose. And I didn't really go, okay, well, Kickstarter's the answer. I have to use this one. And, and what I mentioned to you, I, I know we talked about this, but uh, John Lee Dumas, who um, I've been a uh, you know, fan of John's work for quite some time. I heard that, I saw that John did his launch with his Freedom Journal. And uh, yeah, and so I, I thought, well, maybe I can do a, a sort of a similar type launch and do it with uh, with a nonfiction book. And that was really, that was the only part that sort of triggered the idea. And then I said, now let's explore it. And and I didn't have anything to go by. I didn't, I didn't want to look at anybody else's nonfiction book launch. I still haven't to this day or fiction book launch. I just wanted to do it on my own and, and hope for the best. And so I learned by doing, but yeah, I launched it with Kickstarter. Uh, we launched it, uh, I, I think in November, early November. And we had not even a full month because we didn't launch right in the first day. We got it up, but I wasn't ready to launch. So I'd say about three to three and a half weeks. And we ended up doing about 175% of our funded goal, uh, which was over, we ended up doing over 10,000 in about three and a half weeks in book sales. So I was really happy with that. When I get told by so many people, you can't make money selling books anymore. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. Let's pivot back to speaking for a little bit because after all, you are that speaker guy. So let's just say, for example, somebody out there is aspiring to speak or they haven't done a ton of speaking. What are your best tips for finding places to start speaking? So I would say the best suggestion, and it's kind of, it was a game changer for me. When I first started, I reached out to chambers and rotaries and I wanted to get in front of audiences. I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get paid to speak, but I wanted to get in front of audiences because I knew it had to start somewhere. So the first thing I recommend people do is reach out to groups like that. That and But there's a bigger benefit that I didn't know at the time. And so I did those, and then I also got it in front of corporate audiences. And I knew they weren't going to pay me what you know I get paid today, for instance. So uh, I traded them in things like for gym memberships. I remember I worked with this, this fitness group, and we traded gym memberships for my first couple of talks. And so all I was getting was $99 worth of gym memberships. I got three of them that I could give to my clients, uh, which were just basically $99. And there were 90 days that my clients could go to the gym for free. So I would we'd get these three passes and I would give them to other clients who had hired me. But that's what I was getting paid. And I did that with corporate because I felt if you don't place a value or a price on it from early on, you're going to struggle in two years time when you're still not getting paid to speak. So that was one side. But the other side is I knew I had to be in front of audiences. And so I got in front of rotaries and chambers, not knowing that they were such a great market. And the reason they end up being such a great audience is because let's say we take the example of chambers, they have all kinds of small business owners in the room. And so now you have maybe a hundred different business owners sitting in a room hearing you talk. And then I'd hand up my evaluation form and then people would uh, you know, put on there to reach out to them, to talk to them about coming in to speak to their staff. You know, get them to, uh, if you can get in front of this, this business audience, then maybe hand out a, an evaluation form or something that notes uh, it gets them to take action and say, hey, we're looking for a speaker. Reach out to us. OK, wonderful. I love that. So let me ask you this um, in terms of 
monitoring productivity. I'm going to pivot again to a new topic. How do you cut out distractions in your day and stay on task? So this is something that I learned after interviewing so many high achievers is I noticed that I was saying yes to too much. So I was saying yes to everything and then trying to figure out how to juggle it all. And the high achievers, I noticed, were saying no to almost everything and only saying yes to the things that moved the needle. So I just simply had to get start getting good at deciding what was a no, how to say no, and when to say no. And so for me, Brian, what I did was I wrote out this, I call it my personal mission statement, but basically it's, it's essentially I want to be the guy who motivates, donates, inspires, educates, and entertains. And so when somebody asks me to take something on now, I, I look at it and say, is it one of those five? Is it all those five? Is it any of those five? And if it's like three or less, then it's either a no or a let me think about it. And if it's four or above, it's almost always a yes. So that's how I decide. I basically weed everything out that's not a four or five typically, meaning that's not four or five of those areas. Wow, that's fantastic. You've done a TED Talk. You've done multiple TED Talks or TEDx Talks. Talk to us about how that opportunity came to you. Did, did they find you or did you apply? How did that whole process work? It, it's been different each time. So the first one, uh, somebody that was affiliated with them, so they were connected to the organizing committee, said you need to get Corey in, and they, and they kind of connected us both. Uh, so they, I, I will say, it wasn't the organizing committee, but it was somebody that was sort of connected, said, you got you to gotta, uh, meet Corey, and Corey, you got to meet them. So that's kind of where the first one came to life. Uh, second one, I started realizing there is kind of a system that you can sort of apply to increase your chances of getting a TEDx talk. And so I applied the system and I was fortunate enough to secure it. And then the irony of this conversation is my latest TEDx talk was yesterday. No joke. It was, I just wow. literally delivered my latest one yesterday. And I used the same system there. And I mean, the system is probably too elaborate to go into, but what I will say is that it's, I mean, first of all, you have to reach out to the organizing committee and you have to think of them as, as people. So a lot of times people just go to the form on the, the website of the TEDx event they're approaching and just send a blind message out. They don't know who they're sending it to. They don't know who's involved in the committee. So I do a lot of back research to figure out who's on the committee. And then I reach out to them and maybe even connect with them on social media. So then, then they're, they're actually watching what I'm doing. And then when I reach out to them, they already have a familiarity with who I am. And at the same time, there's a whole way to craft your, your pitch, your idea, so that it, it works for you. You're still doing a pitch that you want to speak on, but at the same time, it appeals to them, knowing what TEDx is usually looking for. Uh, it's also understanding that they're not looking as much for the idea as for somebody that can deliver the idea and, and can do it in a unique way and make people actually think about this idea that they maybe understand but they've never heard quite in this way. So there really is, Brian, a whole kind of infrastructure and system that I've discovered. And it's not like they've set up a system. It's just I've discovered that for a lot of the TEDx organizing committees, they work in similar ways. And you can increase your chances by using a sort of a system, if you will. Fantastic. We've got less than two minutes to our final break. So let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite TED Talk? Yeah. So my favorite TED Talk is probably how schools kill creativity um mm. by sir ken robinson and it's i mean it's up there it's always listed in the top 10 to top 25 but it's just it's a brilliant talk about schools and how schools could change around their approach 
to appeal to more students and and impact more lives. And I'm a really I'm passionate about that. So I, I think we should have a class in school. I've said this many times. Maybe eventually, by saying it enough times, somebody will approach me, or uh, it'll just start coming to life. But I think we should have a class on how to find your purpose in school, how to find your why. I love that. That's great. There's so many things that are not being taught in schools that should be taught in schools. And I think financial literacy is certainly one of those topics as well. Absolutely. All right. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this show is going. My very special guest is Corey Poirier. His book is called The Book of Why and How. We will come back after the break. And uh, please stay with us. Don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio. Be right back. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. States with quality programming. This is Tokinet Radio. July is National Ice Cream Month. As if we needed a reason to celebrate ice cream. Would you believe the average American eats 45.8 pints of ice cream a year? Here's the scoop on some ice cream lingo. In Pennsylvania, the paper cone used to hold ice cream is called a tut. Sprinkles or jimmies on top of ice cream are called ants in California and outsiders and logs in Vermont. The world record for ice cream eating is 1.75 gallons in 8 minutes. Oh, I feel a brain freeze coming on. What's another word for brain freeze? Venapalatine ganglia neuralgia. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Corey Poirier. He is the author of the book of Why and How. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio yet on iTunes, please go ahead and do that. You can listen to any episode at successprofilesradio.com. You can also subscribe to Success Profiles Magazine. It's a brand new magazine. It's 
fantastic. Kevin Harrington was the first cover. And my new book, Conversations with High Achievers, is available for pre-order on Amazon right now. Get that as soon as you can. Darren Hardy is in it. Jack Canfield, uh, Greg Reed, Dr. John Martini, uh, Tom Ziegler, just a whole host of really fantastic A-list people who have been on my show, in some cases more than once. So, Corey, let me ask you, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you think you've made in your journey? Probably, I would say one of the biggest ones is, you're probably familiar with Michael E. Gerber's work, uh, the e-book. Yes. Yeah. And so, Michael, his work is is brilliant, and I, I got to go back and revisit it yet again. But one of the things that I didn't realize I was doing until I discovered his work, and, and you know what, and I still fall back into that rut sometimes, is working in the business. So that, that's been a big mistake. And so for people listening, if you haven't read the book, really, you know, what the summation of that is, it, he, he kind of talks about working on your business versus in your business. And as an example would be, if you're not an accountant and don't like doing bookkeeping, but you spend three hours every day working on bookkeeping, that's working in your business, uh, rather than growing your business. So he talks about how a business's purpose should be to grow and keep customers. And that's kind of working on the business. And so I would say that, Brian, probably mistakes I've made is working in the business from time to time and not realizing I'm doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely right. And sometimes you have to figure out what can you source out versus what should you be doing yourself. That can be a challenge too, right? Absolutely. And, you know, if I, if I go to, and so now I outsource a lot more and I didn't at the time. So there was times I would actually, you know, that, that's a great example because I, I would try to, let's say, do my own flyer. And I'm, I'm not a graphic designer marketing guy at all. And so they looked worse and they took my time. And then I started finding out how little of an investment it would be to get somebody else to do it. And, and then you shake your head. How, look at all the time I wasted. But you can't live in the past. But yeah, that I mean, that that's sort of been a big one. And it, and it opens up more other areas, meaning, like I said, times when I, I could have, let's say, farmed this out or or send it out to somebody else. Uh, but then another one I would say is that at times whenever I would be, work, you know, let's say offering pricing as a, a speaker, and then the client would say, well, I just have this budget, that's all I have. And then you try to make that work, but then also realize now I'm sort of undervaluing myself, and it's also not fair to the client to pay the full price. And so that would be another one early on, doing that maybe too often, trying to help as much as I could, because I, I said I'm from small community, always taught to say yes. So I'm like, how can I make this work? And then you're undercutting and undervaluing yourself when instead I could have been actually referring another speaker, getting them a gig. Let me ask you uh, about influential books that you've read. What are some of your favorites? Well, I mentioned one of them uh, earlier, which was Darren Hardy's Compound Effect. Yes. That book as a modern book is one of the one of the I'm going to say the biggest changers for me. Like there's I can't cite lists and lists of books from sort of the modern era that have been game changers for me. I can I can list lots from, as I mentioned back, I think Can Grow Rich Times, uh, How to Win Friends. Those books changed my life, no question. But the compound effect is right up there for me. And I think the why is, there's a couple of things that happened. One, by reading the book, I understood that all these small efforts I'm making, as Steve Jobs would say, I was joining up my dots and realized that all these dots are building up to a much bigger one. So it, it, it kind of made me say, OK, well, this one thing I did here is not a waste of time. And I could see how it was part of the bigger picture. But more importantly than that, Darren talks about a weekly rhythm register that he uses to manage his time. And I started adopting that. And what happened is I started crushing goals that used to take me a year, year and a half 
I start crushing those in months and even some of them in weeks. And it was simply the only thing I was doing different was using his system fully. Uh, so that book, I can say for sure, was a game changer. And a, a newer one that's sort of been uh, really making a big impact on me is a book called The One Thing. Yeah. And so they have a, a really well-known podcast as well. But The One Thing is another brilliant book talking about really at the end of the day for me, it's about uh, how do you make single tasking work for you rather than multitasking. That's awesome because multitasking really is a myth. You can't do a bunch of things equally well at the same time. You can't because your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. And I also think that sometimes people fail to zone in on that one thing that is their superpower, right? Absolutely. Great. What do you think your superpower is? So realistically, I I, I would say if I was wearing a a Superman-type style uniform – I would put a P on it, and why I would do that is because I feel it's uh, that I found my passion and my purpose, and I and I seem to be what you know what I don't know how I, I can never judge how skilled I am at something, but I, it seems like uh, I'm able to really help people figure out what their purpose and passion is, and I think that's my superpower is helping people figure out what their superpower is in, in terms of what they've been called to do. So. I guess it's like passion guy or purpose guy, I guess. There you go. I like that. That's good. That's good, passion guy. So let me ask you this. How do you think champions view adversity different than everyone else does? So based on what I've seen, champions really, well, first of all, they understand that you're going to fall off the horse, to use a metaphor. uh, But at the same time, they are quick to get back up. So they they don't basically sit there and lick their wounds for days. So first of all, they're, they're, they're different in the sense that they fall off, but they know they're going to fall off and they're prepared for that. But then they jump back up and they continue. Whereas I find it's a struggle for a lot of people, first of all, to fall. And then they start beating themselves up over why they fell. And then, they're, you, know, then you lick your wounds and then you take forever to go, am I going to do that again? Maybe I shouldn't. Look what happened the first time. So I just find they're quicker to jump back in. You know, it doesn't make them any better, but it's just a quicker to to dive back in again. And at the same time, it feels like champions realize that failure isn't as permanent as we seem to think overall as society it is. So uh, from their perspective, dealing with adversity, something that's hard for them to do or a struggle or an obstacle, they realize that that's just another stepping stone on the bigger journey. I love that. Just the whole idea that failure is not permanent. Zig Ziglar likes to say failure is is an event. It's not a person, which takes the responsibility for that off of yourself. And it's more about what happened in that one time because you are a champion, because you exist and because you were created and you have the opportunity to create that greatness for yourself and for other people. So I really appreciate that a lot. So let me ask you, Corey, what keeps you going when things get difficult? So what I do whenever I run into uh, a brick wall or an obstacle, I actually, and I've done this many times, and, and I, when I say this, I mean if it's something I get kind of held up in a funk for a day, and, and we all go through that. So what I do is I'll actually go back to testimonials, or even just like with the, the new book being out, that's another example. I, I sort of, when people make these humbling and generous comments, whether it's even on social media or they send it to me, I compile those, not because I, so I can say, hey, look at me go or look at this. It's more so I can look at those and go, you know what? I'm impacting lives. I'm making a difference. And that, that alone can pull me back out of the funk. So I, I really just refer to times when people have said I've done something to impact or change their life. 
and that helps me deal with the the struggles of the day that uh, that I'm you know that I'm stuck in and, and feeling sorry for myself in. Yeah, I do that too, actually. People who have given me testimonials for the show or for things that I've done, it's always really nice to go back and be reminded uh, of of exactly that. And and one other thing that I do, I had a guest on my show a long time ago, and the last thing he said was, have a conversation every day with someone who inspires you. And that is fantastic. I don't get to do it every single day, but I do it as often as I can, and it is such an impactful exercise. So anyone out there, if you find that you were in that dark space, find someone who inspires you and talk to them and, and do it because you will be so glad you did. So let me ask you, uh, if you were starting over today, knowing what you know right now, what would you do differently? You know what? I'd probably start you mentioned about people that inspire you. I would probably reach out to those we call influencers sooner. So I waited a long time to start reaching out to influencers to, to ask for help, all those kind of things. I think I would find mentors and influencers earlier on and reach out to them sooner. And, you know, if we talk about, you know, a show like yours, Brian, I would reach out to those people. Like I would have started the show sooner, my show, and I would have reached out sooner and scheduled those interviews simply because, Wisdom and knowledge is, is power as long as you apply it. And so I would have tried to get out there sooner and get that. But also, not only are you learning from these people, but as you mentioned, you're getting inspired by them too. And so I would want that sooner in my life. So I think that's what I would do differently. I would just start that whole thing sooner. Absolutely. We are coming up toward the end of the show. We've got just over two minutes until the end, Corey. So let me ask, who inspires and motivates you? This is the question I ask everyone. So if I say past tense, my grandfather was a a major inspiration to me. Uh, And if I still continue the family theme, my mother still is a major inspiration to me. As I mentioned, single mother and uh, just made so many sacrifices. And now that I'm a parent, a new parent, I can I understand it so much more. Uh, So those would be in my personal life. And then from afar, uh, you know, I mentioned, say, Napoleon Hill, his work, you know, not necessarily him, but his work inspired me to no end because you know, he shared the stories of so many other people and in, in su- such inspirational ways. And I realized, you know what, if this person could start with this and still achieve significance and help other people's lives, then it means it's possible for me too. Fantastic. Where can we find your book? Easiest way. I like keeping it easy. So thebookofwhy.com. Again, thebookofwhy.com, all spelled out. We'll get people to the Kindle version. Uh, the print version, unfortunately, is not linked to the Kindle yet. So uh, if, if a person is looking for the print version, you can just go on Amazon, type in Corey Poirier and uh, Amazon.com, Corey Poirier, and it'll be one of the top things that come up. Great. Can you spell your name for people that might want to look that up, please? Absolutely. C-O-R-E-Y, and then the last name is P, as in Peter, P-O-I-R-I-E-R. Is that French? Uh, it is. I'm not. I can't speak a word of French, but it is. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. We are coming up to the end of the show. And Corey, I'd like to thank you so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to have you back for a second time. Brian, uh, you know, it's my p- privilege as well. You're such an amazing host and such a generous host. So thank you for making it all possible. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening this week. Join us next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever and learn how they succeeded, what they overcame, and what lessons we can learn from their journey so that hopefully we don't make the same mistakes that they might have made. It's a great way to learn. So thank you for joining us. Be back next week. Come back to Success Profiles Radio. And again, download and subscribe on iTunes. It would be very meaningful. Have a great week, everyone. Goodbye. 
thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to 